Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. I um, had the privilege of ministering at a conference in Durban last weekend with my mate Lee and Mr. Hidden Skog. Michael, I almost get it right. Almost right. And uh, incredible privilege to minister as always the gospel, incredible privilege to share the gospel. But what's even a greater privilege is the number of stories I get to tell, stories like this. I was just looking at these videos and thinking, if we just freeze-framed, there was no story. Just a picture, just a face, just an expectation around an image. Imagine, what would we think? I get to tell these stories of my friends. I'm in the middle of suburbia, Durban, comfort zone of note. If you want to find a comfort zone, find suburbia, Durban. People don't leave. They're friends forever. It's like we were put in grade one class. We're going to be friends forever. We're never going to leave this place. And yet, actually, God says the gospel's messy. It comes with a whole bunch of mess. And I want messy stories in my story. And I get to tell these stories. And I'm overwhelmed by the goodness and the grace of God. That men and women with messed up sexuality stories who pulled in find the life of God in their lives. That men and women who've struggled with depression for year after year after year would encounter this king, his love and his grace and his goodness that he keeps pouring out. And he says, actually, I want to do it again and again and again. We come today, and why do we have Vision Sunday? Surely the vision's clear. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the world, preach the gospel, raise up believers, send them out, keep doing that story and see the gospel come. Well, actually, we do it so that we can take a moment to celebrate what he's done. He's been incredibly kind. He's been incredibly good. He's raised up men and women. He's pulled some others out of darkness into light, and he keeps doing that. He's unbelievably kind to us. So this moment is to say, actually, guys, Don't take for granted what the king does. Don't take for granted what he does in our lives and in the midst. Maybe you're saying, actually, I'm not, I'm, I'm not that big person of faith, Mark. I never want to do what you do. Well, I don't want you to do what you, because only you can do what you do. But as we gather, as we come together, and as we cry out with faith and courage for a future that he has for us, you are part of a household of faith that people get saved into. None of these people's stories actually, maybe Michael a bit and Alfie a little bit have have played little parts, but the others, actually it's people within this community at different levels, breathing life, breathing courage, calling them into more. So amazing to say. So we take these moments to say, actually, God, we celebrate what you are doing. It also gives us direction as to what we are. The Bible says, actually, without vision, a people perish. We've got to know what journey we're on. Are we just doing the church journey? No, God's different families got different stories. And he wants us to have stories. And two years ago, God spoke a word to us as we were calling on his name for what he had for us at this time. And the word he spoke to us at that time was pioneer again. Well, that's a little bit weird, God. We're a pioneering church. This was a church plant. This church was birthed by a couple with their two goods moving to an area that was brand new and just planting a church. No big denominational backing, no big story behind, actually just raw faith, raw courage, and a whole bunch of craziness that looks like craziness to the world. God says, actually, I want to keep doing that with you. And amazing, in that year, God called this church to plant a church in Milnerton. And now I had the privilege of preaching there this morning. There is life, there is energy, there are salvations, there are whole families that have come to Christ. Why? Because this house, the house that you're a part of, reached out in faith and pioneered again. 
I'm so grateful to that, that we would keep on. God says, actually, I want, that was not just a word for 2016. Oh, well done. Tick that box. No, it's who we are. He's reminding us of who he's called us to be. In that same year, some of our very best, Wally and Shirley Gerstmeyer, who traveled down from Freyhe to come and plant this church, said, actually, we feel like that word's not just for the church, it's for us. God's calling us to pioneer again. And with tears on a plane at 37,000 feet, Wally said, actually, God's calling us to go again. And they have been pioneering and planting into churches, giving energy and resources of their time and energy for this last year as they traveled out. Plus, people put their hands up to serve and grow and plant. God says, I want you to be a pioneering people. And then last year, we were praying and trusting God for a word. What have you called us to? And the word we felt was actually behold and be bold. Not complicated, and they do rhyme. So as Gabe said, must be good. But God said, actually spoke a word, and the picture is John, this disciple who was known as, as a friend of Jesus. He was the one who put his head on Jesus' chest. But in Revelations, we see the picture of that same John encountering the King of Kings in his glory, and he was so overcome by the wonder of Jesus, he falls flat face down, and the Bible says, as though dead. That we would be a people who would behold the King, give him our undivided attention, and boldness would begin to rise up. Oh, Mark, I've got a little voice. No, it's not about your voice. It's about the roar of his glory inside of you and the fact that he is jealous for his glory. And he took us on a journey through a year that had ups and it had downs. He says, actually, but I'm calling you back to a place of worship. I'm calling you back to a place of awe and wonder. So then in about August and September, I start getting these conversations with Gabe and Fee and Tyler. Like, Mark, we need something for next year. I'm like, it doesn't just pop out the sky. I'm like a spirit oak. I just pray. And God speaks. No, you can't do that. We've got to get wrist things made. Somebody's got to design it. No, 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 guys, I haven't got it yet. And so we got away in October and um, a, a holiday. I don't know if you've been on a holiday with three boys under the age of nine at the time. It's not really a holiday that you hear the Lord. Close your eyes, you get hit by a soccer ball. You can't close your eyes. It's dangerous in my house to close your eyes for any length of time unless you are locked away. So I said to my wife, please, can I go for a walk? Are there are mountains? She said, go for it. And I'm walking one afternoon, a Sunday afternoon, and I actually just had a conversation to that man over there in the second row, Mr. Thompson. Great to see you. And I was walking and counseling God, saying, God, what is it that you have for us? We don't need, it's not about a tagline or a branding thing or a wristband, but you speak to your people, you lead your people, and you actually do it clearly. God is a God who speaks. And instantly, at the time, I don't know, with a picture, I was reminded of a crazy mate of mine. It's like as vivid as vivid can be. A story I hadn't thought of in years. I know you hear a lot of stories from me like, Mark, how can they be true? They are true. But a mate of mine was driving from Joburg to Durban on his 40th birthday. A significant day in a man's life, I think. I've got one coming this year. And I was, he was driving, and, and he saw a mountain that local Harry Smith people call Table Mountain. Most people call it Platberg. They call it Table Mountain. It sounds more exhausted, kind of like relationship with Cape Town. It's all good. We let them have their Table Mountain. But my mate was driving his car on the day he turned 40 with two kids in the back, his wife next to him, and, and he looked at his mountain, pulled his car off the highway, drove to the mountain, put his running shoes on, put his running kit on, left his family at the car, said, I've got to run up that mountain. Can I still run up mountains? And I felt God drop a word deep inside of my soul. Will we still run at mountains for the king and with the king? Because our king is a mountain-moving king. Will you still run at mountains? And it, 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 I remember stopping going, ah, to be honest, I worship God most of my life. 
in my teens, instead of joining with my mates, we prayed all night for salvation. At other times in my life, I've made choice to worship God that were radical in many people's eyes. Am I still radical for Jesus? Will I still run at mountains again? Have you got another move in you, Mark, if God said move to Uzbekistan? Don't know where Uzbekistan came from. Cairns, we're not moving to Uzbekistan just yet. Just stay calm. But if God spoke, like Martin Luther speaks, he calls and he calls us, he says, actually, Martin Luther King. Martin Luther's the white guy. He's the other guy. Says, actually, says, I just want to do his will. I just want to do his will. That's all I want to do. It doesn't matter. Longevity is a thing. But I want to do his will. Why? Because he is real to me. And when I've beheld him, I'm overcome by his glory. And I'm pulled into his story. And it all makes sense. And the mist clears and the chaos clears. And I'm captivated by the king again. Move the mountains is not just a payoff line that gives us something to run at this year. As I look at the word, mountains are amazing. You go up mountains to encounter God. They went up Mount Sinai as Moses went up and God revealed his glory to him. Mountains are these amazing things where God resources his people. Haggai says this word in Haggai 1. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. And mountains are a place of sacrifice. Isaac, let's go up. Isaac didn't know that he was the sacrifice. And yet, a perfect lamb was provided. See, Jesus carried a cross up a mountain. He died on that mountain and rose again so that we could keep walking up mountains and, by faith, tell mountains to move. Not my words, not some inspiration of up Beat inspirational preacher. I don't want to be your raw, raw preacher. I want to tell you what Jesus says. It's an amazing thing. He takes his disciples on this journey. Say disciples. Then say me. I'm a disciple. I, I read about the disciples and think, ah, oh, you fools. I mean, you just kept getting it wrong. No, actually, I've got to read the disciples and say, that's me. Peter, you little faith, you jump out of water. Whoa, Jesus is good. Woof. Little girl comes and challenges you. No, I don't know him. No, that's me sometimes. And Jesus takes his disciples on a journey. And we see it through the book of Matthew as he takes them on the journey. But he does these miracles, left, right, and center. He feeds 5,000, feeds 4,000, heals the deaf little kid. He heals the mute man. Heals ladies. He is indiscriminately doing things that are only of heaven on earth. And he's saying, disciples, come. Come with me. And then he encounters this story. A chapter, verse 17, Matthew, the transfiguration. And verse 4, Peter said to Jesus, they on the mountain, there's a transfiguration happens, says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Sometimes we get like that. Before we planted Milton, I was like, ah, I don't want to do this thing. Because as a leader, you go, who wants to go on an adventure and plant a church? And the first three rows go, yes, me. Like, no, I'm not really sure I want you to go. The day after we launched Millicent's, like, quiet, row two, three, and four. Like, oh, that was a bad idea. We've just sunk the church. And yet I go to Millicent today. I see the faces and the names and people who encounter his glory. I'm going, God, it's always worth it in you. But we have a default to let's stay on this mountain. Let's stay on this mountain. Let's stay comfortable because we like it here. And then we encounter verse 14. 
And I read the scripture again after I spoke about the, 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 the move the mountains. It says this, Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. It's an awkward situation. He's going, hey, Jesus, my son's in trouble. And I've got to escalate this. You've ever had a call you've made to like Eskom? You've got to escalate it 17 times to get to someone's... No, that's dishonoring of Eskom. I repent. I apologize. But you get the point. He's coming and saying, Jesus, I've tried these guys. You've taught them and all that. It's just not happening. My, boys keep falling into, my boy keeps falling into fires. He's falling into water. He needs the intervention of the king of kings. What is Jesus' response? You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? With you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. But where's my meek and mild Jesus? Little Jesus. You know the Christmas Jesus, the little baby guy. Like that baby guy. He's gentle. What about the lamb? Like just the gentle lamb, just coming, walking gentle. I love that picture of Jesus. No, you wicked and perverse generation. Who's he speaking to? The disciples. The guys he loves, the guys he's invested himself into, saying, am I going to be with you forever? No, you know that. And yes, he does rebuke them, but please see behind the rebuke, there's a much bigger challenge. He's challenging these disciples, saying, actually, guys, there's anguish in me because I know that I've, I've invested into you and I'm calling you into a bigger story. Please understand you have access to so much more. You have access to so much more. I love Alfie's story. It says, actually, I've realized I'm a daughter of the living God. I'm not that person anymore. How beautiful. How beautiful. I wanted to get this guy to know this guy named God. And he reveals himself. Then we could reveal and we understand that actually there's so much more. And it continues. says, then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive him out? See, even as we've been on this journey preparing. See, I've been preparing for this and launching this into our year for four months. I've had to go on a journey in private, saying, Jesus, I want to see the healed, sick healed again. I have in the past, but I want to see more. I don't want to tell stories of 1997 when as a 19-year-old man, I laid hands on a deaf man and he got his hearing. I don't want to keep telling that story because I believe you are as powerful today as you were in 1997. And much more. And Jesus answered, he replied, Because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. I'm not saying that every unanswered prayer is a lack of faith. Please don't read that into this. I'm not saying that. I don't believe that. But I believe this is a great encouragement and charge from our king to his disciples and to us today. Jesus' rebuke is not a ridicule, but a call to more. A call to more of kingdom. A call to more of heaven. A call to more of what is not of this earth in our lives. And it is healing the sick. And it is business people going into meetings knowing they are sons and daughters of the living God. And there is an unfair favor on their lives. It is the fact that my kids get sick. My first port of call is not a doctor or a pharmacist. It's the healer. It changes everything. Jesus' rebuke is not a ridicule of his disciples. 
He wasn't trying to break them down on their faith journey. The opposite is saying, guys, all I'm asking for you, all I'm telling you is you just need a mustard seed. A mustard seed, something so small and so insignificant in many ways. You just need a mustard seed of faith. For truly, if you have faith, like a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. So 2018, with a little bit of trepidation, with a little bit of, hey God, you've got to be with us because we can't do this. This is not a thing we can do as a church without the Spirit of God. Not by power, not by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. We can't move the mountains without you, God, but I'm not going to die wondering. I'm not going to die wondering. I, I, yeah, I saw a man in Durban. He's like a beacon for me. He's 87 years old. About 18 months ago, I went to Durban. I ministered there, and his wife was vivacious and, and full of life and, and full of a story that God was still doing with him. They're in eldership in the local church there. 87 years old. 18 months later, dementia has hit. She's a frail little lady now. Not well. Unable to walk with them. And they're still in eldership. And they're still at every meeting. They still worship Jesus passionately. Every worship session I turn. But at 87 years old, he's going, actually, God's got more for me. You know what he does at 87 years old? Goes to go find out about opening up a gym contract at Virgin Active. Because he can't walk with his wife anymore, but that's not going to stop him. God's got more for him, so he needs to keep fit. He needs to keep strong. At 87 years old, at 87 year old, I'm thinking, bring the lazy boy. I earned it. I mean, I have deserved this lazy boy. I'm going to sit in that thing all day long. Bring it. We are meant to move mountains. We, we were designed for it. We, were, we have been equipped for it. You don't need permission. This is not a radical, grow the church, go out and fix it. No, it's, it is about taking hold of who Jesus is. He is a miracle-working God. He is a miracle-working God. When you watch these videos, what do you see? I see miracles. Depression for 14 years. Miracle. A, a sexuality fashioned and shaped by world. Jesus touches it one touch of his glory. Miracle. Not thousands of hours of counseling. I'm telling you, a touch of the living God. Spurgeon put it this way, he says, Faith gives feet to the soul, enabling it to march along the road of the commandments. Love can make the feet move more swiftly, but it is faith that carries the soul. It's faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6, we, we are told that actually it's impossible to please God without faith. And Luke 18 Jesus being says, actually, when he returns, will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? What are the mountains in your life right now? See, I grew up in a house where there were the mountains of apartheid, and yet my parents had a man, Emmanuel, who used to sleep at a house every Tuesday night because on Wednesday morning he had to preach at McCord Hospital, and my mom would preach with him, and I would go as a five-year-old. See, I grew up in a household of faith. And when my dad did yuppie flu, and there were no answers at the time for what yuppie flu was, I saw my parents call on God, found them on their knees, worshiping him. When I would come through in the morning, starry-eyed, my mom reading the word. When they lost everything and liquidated, they never for one day, one day blamed God. And I got frustrated with my mom. I'm like, why are you not bummed? I am bummed. I said, but God's in control. God's in control. My king is not shaking off a thing. I'm going, I grew up in a household of faith. My, will, will my kids tell those stories? Yeah. They're sitting over there. Will they just remember a guy who preached the gospel, but it didn't actually look like something in his life? I've seen miracles. 
Jesus said there's more. Life changes church. Well, stories of water crisis, how are you responding? Are you responding in faith? Economic challenges, are you responding in faith? What are the mountains to be moved? Future, finances, health, man, the opinions of man, disease and sickness. See, God spoke to all his men. Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Abraham. Uh, please let me, Rob and Helette Butter, don't miss it. And we've been talking a lot about Rob. She is an absolute powerhouse. Powerhouse of faith. The reason we got them last year is because God dropped this word, so we invited them. They are both big gifts of faith. Seeing miracles throughout the Middle East. Seeing the gospel advancing. Seeing healings. Tumors disappearing. You want to find your faith stirred? Come and draw from a gift of faith. It says, actually... C.S. Lewis says there are far, far better things ahead than any things we leave behind. So we're running into this year and we're expecting things of God. What are we expecting? The first thing that we're running at is pursue Him. First, uh, it's like, it doesn't get new. But pursue Him. Which means put Him first. You're, you're chasing after things of God. You want to see the reality of heaven in your life? Go after it. Lay hands on the sick. I love the fact that Matt, one of the guys who got baptized... Came to the fasting two weeks ago, which I just want to say, we're so proud of this church for getting stuck in and fasting and prioritizing the king. But the next day, after getting filled with the Spirit, the next day is out prophesying of people in the marketplace and out in the world. I'm going, that's what it looks like. Faith looks like something. Pursue him. We're going to trust him for deliverance and freedom. I want people who are struggling with addiction to walk in the midst of a church praying and getting set free like that. I believe in counseling. I believe God will take on journeys. I believe the chains can be broken like this in one encounter, the King of Kings. Secondly, we are making room for miracles. If you want a miracle in your life, make room for it. And we want miracles like these stories in our lives, which means we need to make room in this building. We need to redo some whole stuff. This building was built 10 years ago for a community that was much smaller, and we actually need to make some room. God is doing some things. Maybe we can show some photos of just kind of architect sketches. I didn't have the full plans, but that whole front section of the building is going to be bashed away and open up so we can host the city really well. God has called us. We have a whole bunch of people in our area as we've looked at the demographics where people working from home because of the distance of traveling. They are looking for community. They are looking for a good coffee, and they're looking for Jesus. They just don't know it yet. We think we can serve them, not just on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And so we're making room, and that'll lead to us going for some things. We want to keep reaching. One of the things we're doing that, if you don't know, Sunday night next week, we've mentioned it, Shay and the amazing team. We're the guys who are involved in Life Kids in the evening. If you're here, why don't you stick up your hand, give me a wave. Are there more? Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Why don't we raise a shout for these guys? It's actually, we want to serve this community really well. And part of it is a whole bunch of our people in our city and our area are on beach at, at nippers and they're at sports things and they can't get to community so they don't do it and they think it's really tough on a Sunday night. We want to make sure we can serve their kids well so they can find Jesus. We've had a whole bunch of people, especially single moms, come through this meeting and it's broken my heart because actually we couldn't help them in the way that we need to. So we're launching kids in the evening from next week. So that's exciting. And God is moving. And secondly, we want to grow people. We want to grow mountain movers. And so it looks like Robin and Let Buerta, we bring gifts in. These are invited. It's not like, hey, this is some preaching. So, you know, I phoned this man. I had the privilege of going to his church last year. I came back so fired up with stories of faith. Faith in the middle of a desert. Saying, actually, God, we need these guys. So get dug in. Life groups. Don't stay out of community. You want to grow? Do it in community. 
I don't know any other way. In community, God deals with prejudices. He deals with smallnesses. He deals with uh, our arrogance. In community, as we wrestle these things through, fight for it. We're growing people. And then um, next, we're releasing some of these amazing things. Keep planting for a future harvest. What am I talking about there? I've had a blank. Is that the one? No, that's not the one, Gabriel. Is that the one? It's changed places in my notes. That's why. The biggest news. 18 months ago, we reached out and God said, actually, I want you to pioneer. And we planted a community, which meant we had to send our best, which meant we had to release our redhead. I I was going to put you in the best, but then it's different. And then, um, (laughs) which was tough, which was taxing, which means we've got to hire venues. We need more sound. And a whole bunch of stuff going, that's uncomfortable. As an eldership, we've been praying, and I just want to take time. This is not my vision. God has this is Gabs and, and Rion and, and his wife B and Quinton at the back and Wayne and uh, Emmanuel and Jen. Where are you guys at the back there? These guys press through, and I bring crazy ideas, and they have to help me fashion and shape. But God is calling us to release into the city again. He's calling us to raise up leaders. He's calling us to pioneer again. And actually, we think in the next eighteen months, God called us to plant a church. Do we know where? No. Do we know who? No, we just know God's called us to plant a church, which means there's a responsibility on you to pray, to get excited, to see what God is doing and say, God, we want to flow with the life of God. We're not trying to manufacture something here. This is the kingdom we're talking about. Isn't that exciting? We're going to plant another church. I'm so pumped and God's going to lead us. He'll show us and we don't want to run ahead of him. But actually this, the church is not built on the gifts of the few. And we believe, as we've navigated, and to be honest, as we went into the multi-site thing, I had my own philosophical wrestles about multi-siting and have multi-congregation, but I've absolutely loved it. As God's not into personas, He's not into individuals, He's into His people advancing. He's not about life changes brand. I don't think you're going to see life changes in heaven. Sorry. Sorry. But I'm not. I don't care about life changes brand. I care about the kingdom of heaven advancing on earth. I care about people being pulled out of darkness into light. And if they need a light on a wall to find their way there, then let it help them. But let's keep advancing. So that's exciting. So what does this mean for you in a year of mountain moving? Just a couple of challenges. Number one, identify your mountains. Maybe there's an unresolved relationship from 30 years ago. It's just a mountain in your way, so you can't go that way. You move all these ways, but that way you can't go because there's a mountain in the way. Maybe you've just not been able to break through financially, and it's, it's the 21st of the month, it's salty cracks, the 22nd, even the salty cracks are run out, and it's every month you're going, God, what is this? Your word says we will prosper. Well, yes, take a hold of him in faith now. It might demand you moving. It might demand you taking some risks on him. It might demand you trusting him and leaving comfort zones, but actually you've got to move. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's sexuality. Maybe it's sin. I don't know. But take that mountain by faith in Jesus' name and let us move some mountains this year. Find faith. Find faith in the Word. Find faith as you summit the mountain. Even as we spoke earlier, it's actually part of going mountains is go up to see Him. Take a hold of Him. Let your Christianity become more than just a Sunday habit, but an everyday reality. Move and get involved. Maybe the mountain's apathy. I think it's the biggest mountain. It's just disguised in a nice cloud. Apathy. Take down the mountain of apathy this year. Secondly is break ground personally so others might find life. Part of the building project and reaching, we're going to clarify what it looks like. We're going to clarify our mounts. We're going to communicate. But actually, God's calling us to invest. 
financially, time, resources. Maybe you've got skills. Maybe you've got dreams. Maybe, maybe you've got other resources like plumbing or whatever you can get involved. We're going to need to do that so others can find out. A community of 70 people built this facility. 70. God's saying, actually, what could a community of 700 on a Sunday build so that others might find life? And God's calling us. He's actually, may, maybe you've got to move into areas. Maybe you've been see, looking at the mountain of social justice and you're going, actually, I'll leave it to Wayne and Jen because it's so big and there's so much need. And I'm telling you, God's saying, I want my people to get their hands dirty. Let's tackle some mountains. And then we're going to have to release. And I ask, even as we look to planting a community in 18 months' time, pray, God, would, should I, would I be a part of it? Pray, pray. So, you know why we plant a mountain? It wasn't because it was sexy to us, to be brutally honest. It was because two ladies in this community who had no context of multi-site church at all came with prophetic word that looked like that. They had no language for it. They had no insight for it. And they were quite kind of um, nervous to give this to you. But part of the picture that one lady gave was a hen and chicken plant that would plant and would plant again. God's calling us to these things. One last quote and then I'm done. The greatest danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but is that it, too, that it is too low and we reach it. Let us aim high in God. Jesus challenges the ones he loved on this earth the most, the disciples, and he rebukes them. Why? Because he's calling them to more. Maybe you feel the rebuke of heaven. Maybe God's called you to do great things for God, but you've struggled with the faith. Don't back down because you didn't have the faith then. Look forward and say, God, give me the faith and the courage to trust again, to pray again. Starts with one. You want to take a mountain? Start with small steps. Can we pray? Is that a right room? God, I pray tonight, as I always pray, that this would be far more than the passion of a preacher. You're moving us as a community, Lord. It feels like you're moving us on. It's an uncomfortable place to be, if I'm being honest, Lord. Actually, when you moved your disciples into a desert, they were like, Where's the food, Lord? And you drop manna from heaven. Manna literally means, what is it? And we're going to go places and we're going to ask you questions like, what is it, God? What is it you're calling of us? What are you asking of us at this time? Where are you leading us? But God, I'd rather be in that place with you than in a comfortable city as a slave. You're calling us to so much more. You're calling us to move mountains, God. You are disrupting our smallness and our apathy and our limited thinking of you. And you're pulling us into your story. And I say thank you, God. Lead us, O oh great shepherd. Lead us, mighty king. And have your glory in this story, I pray. We exalt you, king. Amen.